0: Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts, a unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across
1: generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates
0: learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys Podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, and today it is my pleasure to have as my guest, Zivia Gover. Zivia is the author of several books, including Dreaming on the Page, Tap into Your Midnight Mind to Supercharge Your Writing. She is a writer, educator, and certified dream work professional. Gover has led numerous workshops and panels about dreams, mindfulness, and writing domestically and abroad. She holds an MFA in writing from Columbia University. She is on the board of the International Association for the Study of Dreams and the founder of 350 Dreamers, an international network of people who dream together for global healing. Zivia, it is a pleasure having you on the podcast this evening, and I'm Excited about our conversation.
1: Me too. I'm really happy to be here with you and with your community of listeners.
0: Thank you. Um, Let's get right to the questions. So first of all, tell us about the experience or experiences that you've had that have shaped your life path and your life choices today.
1: I love that question. I mean, that's an invitation to the whole McGill, isn't it? The whole story. Yep. Um, Well, in terms of dreams and writing, I'll say one um, thing that shaped my path was on my 12th birthday for a gift, my grandfather gave me Freud's interpretation of dreams. And I actually thought that story must be apocryphal because what grandfather is going to give a 12-year-old, if you've ever read that book, it's fat and it's scholarly. Um, But I did find actually that thank you not I had written to him for that gift. (laughs) And uh, it really did happen. So I've been interested in dreams all of my life, uh, pretty much. And the same with writing. I'd say one of the key moments there was um, creating my first book of poems on loose-leaf paper and putting them in a little red binder um, and, and giving it to my parents, You know, realizing that, that I love poetry. But then, of course, as most life paths and probably most of the people you talk to You know, part of what sculpts our life paths are the things that don't go the way we expected or the way we wanted. And certainly that was true of me. Um, I always loved dreams. I've always loved writing. And I've made my career around those things as best I could. But at a certain point, I faced a really devastating loss in my life uh, when I was in my uh, 20s, I suppose, my 20s. And at that point, I really started to build my spiritual path, you know, to find meaning at a time when things felt hopeless. And that is how I really started to take seriously mindfulness and the belief that I could influence. I couldn't influence what was happening on the outside, but I could make a positive difference inside. And dream work and writing and practicing mindfulness and what I call everyday joy um, have become my path ever since.
0: And I'll tell you, when you said that we have control, and I'm paraphrasing this over what goes on with us on the inside, I remember a um, very wise teaching from the afterlife of Billy Fingers that when something like this said, Everything you need is inside of you already. And if we can sit in the quiet, reflect, look within, we can, we can find the answers that we seek.
1: That's exactly right. And part of why I'm on this, I always call it a mission because I'm so passionate and enthusiastic about it, um, is that dreams in particular answer exactly what you just said. Dreams contain everything we need in terms of wisdom, guidance, um, sometimes a little loving course correction. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they they are not the kind of be- a friend who will just tell you what you want to hear. You know, dreams will sometimes show you that you're on the wrong path or you've been acting a little foolishly and you need a course correction. Um, but dreams... And everybody has this, whether you remember your dreams or not, everyone has this internal GPS, right? Guidance system. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about talking about this and writing about it, because we all have it, but we don't all know how to use it or access it.
0: Absolutely. And um, you know, one of the things I, I liked about your book, Dreaming on the Page, and we're gonna to get to that in a second, was that it contains some very, very useful practical easy to understand resources for getting individuals in touch with their dreams using it as a tool for creativity and just some really good practical exercises around mindfulness writing prompts that can make our dreams pretty much inter interwoven with our everyday experience and make them a part of what happens with us and you do a very masterful job in your book of doing that and by the way i, forget, I neglected to mention in the beginning I always mention how how my guests come to come to be on this show. We met through a mutual acquaintance, uh, Suzanne Chabot, and Suzanne's been on the podcast a couple of times. And I asked Suzanne, I said, you know, do you have any recommendations for future podcast guests down the road? And she mentioned you immediately, and then we connected, and the rest is history. And I neglected to mention that at the beginning, but I wanted to to mention that for our listeners now and. The guests—they have found me more than I think I found them, and I think that's how the universe works. They bring individuals into our lives that we we need, or our, our, my listeners will need at a particular moment in their lives, whether they know it or not. So,
1: yeah, I share that belief, and I share your enthusiasm for um, Suzanne. And I know she's been a guest more than once. I really mm-hmm. enjoy her podcasts very much, um, but also. You know everything you know sometimes if we sort of have the ears and the eyes for it we'll start to notice that the universe is talking to us in so many different ways by the people we meet and the Mm -hmm. things that they say and like you said how we all just find each other
0: exactly exactly tell our listeners what inspired the creation of your book dreaming on the page what your book is about, what it addresses, and what you want your readers to take away from it.
1: Okay, great. So my book is called Dreaming on the Page, as you mentioned, and the subtitle is Tap Into Your Midnight Mind to Supercharge Your Writing. And I think the subtitle could even be Tap Into Your Midnight Mind to Supercharge Your Life. Um, I think I sort of um, really wanted to write this book so so badly i've been taking notes and and studying and writing for literally decades on all the different ways that dreams and writing come together so i'll take a step back and say why do i think this how do i know that and i think it and i know it because every night without any effort on our part our dreams are unschooling stories for us
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they're quite brilliant. They're full of creativity, color, humor, pathos, emotion, imagery, metaphor, everything a great writer would want. And yet people tell me all the time, I'm not a writer. And I'm like, well, if you can tell a story, you're a writer. If you dream, you're a storyteller. So there Mm -hmm. you have, you know, you are a storyteller. You are a writer. So um, I wanted to write this book um which is a collection of short essays about why i say what i'm saying you know i go into the psychology the spirituality and the science of dreams and creativity in short accessible essays uh that anybody can enjoy and then i also say it's not just a book to read it's a book to do because i give exercises journal prompts writing prompts Uh, techniques for how to remember dreams, techniques for how to have lucid dreams, Um, and just to knit all that together. Again, it's just another avenue through which I want to introduce people to the riches that they already have inside themselves.
0: Yeah, I think, as I mentioned, you do a masterful job of introducing all of that, you know, those, those aspects of dream work and how we can incorporate it. And I would highly recommend to our listeners, that you uh, check out Zivia's book. And if you really want to explore how dreams can can be an intricate part of your everyday experience, this is the book to check out. So um, one of the things I like that it, you mentioned in the book is that dreams don't have a shelf life, that we can revisit those dreams at any time. And I remember I took a, a spirituality and mental health course when I was uh, going for my master's degree at uh, SUNY Albany. And I read Carol Young's, the collect about the collective unconscious. Conscience, excuse a uh, conscious. Excuse me. I know I could say that it's just, I just got to spit it out.
1: It's um,
0: So, and I had a series of five dreams on consecutive nights that seemed to build off of each other. And I journaled about them. These are all dreams about female entities that represented certain aspects of, you know, love sexuality, friendship, companionship. And at the time I had struggled with my mother's transition from this world. It was and and I thought those dreams that initially had meant that I needed to to seek forgiveness for myself for leaving things unsaid with with her, um, having unresolved conflict with her. I revisited those dreams about 10 years later. And that dream had a more significant meaning for me. Because after a specific, very tragic event in my life, I was surrounded by by female energy that had exactly those qualities that I needed. So when I revisited that dream again, it had a totally different meaning based on the events that occurred when I, you know, after I initially had that dream. So I like the fact that you mentioned that dreams don't have a shelf life because we can revisit their meanings and those meanings can evolve as we evolve and our circumstances change over the years.
1: I love that. You know, two things that you said just really stand out for me. And one is that you wrote those dreams down. And this is the beauty of writing your dreams down. People often say, oh, you know, they're so confusing. I don't know what they need. You know, why would I write them down? Well, first of all, just in the act of writing them down, sometimes you'll start to get a little bit of a hit on what they actually do mean to you just by taking that time on the page. But what you said is so important which is that even if you're not sure what it means or you think you know what it means, the fact that you have it right written down means you can revisit it. Right. And you can come across that dream five years later, 10 years later, 40 years later, and it will have a new meaning. It will keep giving. And the other thing um, that you said was, well, a lot of things, but how the healing quality of those dreams, right? So, When you first had the dream, it offered you something. And when you came back, it offered something else. And if I could, I said two things, but I'm going to just add um, one more. And that is the idea of that you don't need to have a lot of dreams. You know, you can keep coming back to a handful of dreams and working them. I sometimes, you know, I'm a competitive person. I admit it. And I'll get competitive even with myself about dreams. Right? How can you be competitive about dreams? But I remember a lot of dreams and I take a lot of pride in that. Oh, I remember so many dreams. And I must have been a little bit bragging uh, about that sort of thing in a dream course that I was taking once. And the teacher said, you know, you only need five dreams for a lifetime. You know, she really put me in my place. You know, you don't need to remember a million dreams.
0: And, you know, even for me, if I have a series of three, three dreams in a night, I might just remember specific scenes out of each one of those dreams or specific snippets, but when I put them together, it's all connected. So sometimes it's what we remember, not how much we remember, that can give us some insight into to our, our everyday situation. So,
1: Yeah. And sometimes a little dream fragment, just a little sliver of a dream, like all I remembered was a feeling or a color or one object, that can open up entire worlds of insight so people should never feel like oh i need a lot of dreams or i need these epic long dreams whatever you've got you can work with
0: i agree now in your book you mentioned that dream dreams and writing are perfect bedfellows can you um elaborate more on that and why do you believe that is the case
1: absolutely well as i mentioned before you know we just naturally Produce metaphor and um, simile and symbolism, character when we dream. So, in that way, dreams and writing, you know, all of those things that I just mentioned are in the writer's toolbox. And we go to school. You mentioned I have an MFA, you know, I've studied writing for years, but my dreams knew all of this already. It's natural, right? Also, dreams offer us fodder block for us, rough draft for our writing. So if you want to write a poem, in many cases, you could just write down your dream, edit it very lightly, put in some line breaks, and you've got an instant Mm poem. But the reverse is true too. So dreams enhance our writing, but also writing enhances our dream work, our understanding of the dream. So by journaling, as you mentioned, or just the act of writing the dream down or doing a few journal prompts with a dream, you can really crack open the meaning of that dream. It will reveal itself to you um, without having to you know, go to a psychotherapist, an analyst or anything like that. Just the simple act of writing serves the dream, the dream work.
0: I think the other thing is to release the expectation The meeting has to come immediately. It may manifest over time. And all of a sudden you'll, you'll have something that'll happen in the real world that you'll, and especially after you've written the dream down, you'll be able to connect and say, aha, that's what that dream meant. That's what my dream was trying to tell me about me, about what I need to do at this particular moment, so.
1: That's exactly right. I actually encourage people to sort of let go of the idea about meaning altogether and just go for the experience. Like, what did I experience in that dream? How does it make me feel? What did I see? What did I hear? And the dream will, like a flower, you know, in its time, it will open for you.
0: I agree. Now, assuming that some writers may have difficulty using their dreams to harness their creative powers. What obstacles do you think may exist to account for this? And secondly, how can dreaming on the page help writers address those obstacles?
1: So if a a writer can't access their dreams, meaning they can't recall their dreams, that's not a problem. Um, Our dreaming mind is working for us whether we know it or not. So whether we remember the dreams or not, whether we know it or not. So for example... Um, One way a writer who can't remember or access their dreams can benefit is carrying attention to what time of day is best for their writing. Often, I'm a late at night person. So there's a reason for that. You know, your brain chemistry is starting to shift. You know, you're in that liminal space where your brain chemistry is shifting from your logical, um, methodical daytime mind to your... More open, fluid, free associating, dreamy nighttime mind. So that's one way, right? Just right off the bat. So, a writer who is having trouble remembering dreams but wants to enjoy the creativity of the dreaming mind,
0: mm-hmm. try
1: writing early or later. Also, I think you asked also why that might be you know, why might you not have that access to the creativity um, of your dreaming mind? I suppose that would. That question really is why aren't we remembering those dreams? And that could be a lot of things. One, I will bet that a good percentage of your listeners are going to remember their dreams in the morning only because they listened to this tonight. So at the most basic level, when we start to pay attention to dreams and get curious about them, we'll start remembering more of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but things like medications can interfere, things like not getting enough sleep can interfere, things like having to get up because, you know, your baby's crying or you that alarm went off and you have to run to work.
0: And I know particularly you mentioned medication. I think of like the, the prescribed medication. I think of Ambien, which is a drug that used to be prescribed for sleep, is prescribed for sleep. It. Puts us asleep, but it doesn't keep us asleep, and it interferes with our ability to, to stay in REM sleep, which is where our dreaming mind takes over. But I also think if we set an intention that we want to remember our dreams and that we do that, intention is a, is a, is a great predictor of outcome. And we stay at our intention to the universe, the universe is going to find a way to, to make that happen in, in its own time. And I call it spirit central time. Not on, you know, not on the clock. It's on their time. I like it. You mentioned in your book, I am a dreamer, a writer without words. And I love this, by the way. I am a writer, a woman who wants to share her dreams. How does this statement express how dreams and writing connect in your own life?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say that that uh, quote that you just mentioned I had written that down in my journal when I was 20 years old. I had written that in my journal and I forgot all about it. And, you know, throughout my years of career and family and everything else that happens in a life, you know, I would so often go back to, well, who am I really? You know, what's my purpose in life? What should I be doing? And I would flip flop between the dreamer and the writer and the writer and the dreamer. So what that statement shows me, and I think it's true uh, for many of us dreamy writers and um, is that we're both, I am a writer, a dreamer without words. What is it? I have it actually on my uh, bulletin board. I am a dreamer, a writer without words. I am a writer, a woman who wants to share her dreams. I mean, that just says it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's this part about being a writer where we depend on words, that words are the are the stuff of our craft, and yet what we're trying to express is beyond words. And likewise in dreams, you know, dreams are talking to us in imagery and emotion. Those not a lot of writing in most people's dreams and even spoken words. There's often more of a telepathic communication in dreams. We think somebody said something to us, but did we actually hear those words? So there's this meaning beyond words that sort of oxymoronically writing brings us to. And certainly dreaming is, is alive in that way. It's, It's talking to us. It's giving us so many messages and so much meaning, but not in specific words necessarily. Sometimes it does.
0: And I would suspect if we have an opportunity as writers to reflect on the meaning of our dreams, those words are going to take on an imagery all of their own. You know, the writings will be kind of going to come more vivid. It's almost going to have that literally dreamlike quality. It will be as almost if the writer is taking you firsthand into your dreams and you are re-experiencing that dream with the writer as a guide. And I think to me that would be a powerful form of imagery that could be communicated in writing if we we utilize our dreams to that extent. And in your book, you mentioned a couple of writers that I believe who were influenced by their dreams. I forgot off the top of my head, but they were two well-known writers who had whose writing has been totally, been really informed by the dreams that they've had?
1: There are so very many. So um, you might not be surprised, you know, when you think about nightmares, that a lot of horror writers or writers of vampire books are influenced by their dreams. Um, some of your younger readers probably have loved and enjoyed the Twilight series by Stephanie Meyer and I Came to Harn a Dream. Um, Stephen King. Um, Some of his stories have been influenced by his dreams. In particular, he talks about Salem's Lot. He was really stuck on that story. And he went to sleep and had a dream. And, you know, one of the pivotal points came to him. Frankenstein came to Mary Shelley in a dream state. Some of the poets I love the very most, Lucille Clifton, who passed away several years ago, has a whole series of poems called The Dream of, My Dream of, My Dream of This, My Dream of That. And they are literally like um, dreams that she put on the page, just as I mentioned earlier, and lightly edited. Um, There are so many writers. Amy Tan, uh, the author of Joy Luck Club, talks about how dreams influenced her writing. Um, William Styron, who is the author of Sophie's Choice, among others. I could go on and on. And, you know, whenever I go to a poetry reading or a literary reading of any sort, and there's a QA, I always my hand shoots up and I ask, um, has have, have has any of your writing ever been influenced by dreams? And invariably, um, the answer is yes. Yeah, I know there's there's
0: one one article i wrote in particular that was influenced by the the series of dreams that i mentioned previously and that was the the article that i revisited after after the tragic event in my life which was my daughter's transition my daughter Jean's transition in, in 2003 and though they had those dreams i had a totally different meaning for me after i had a chance to revisit that but i was thankful i had written them down just for for, for that reason, because I could go back and refer to it and it just, you know, it just totally gave me additional clarity that I didn't have earlier. So there was a group called um, Shinedown, and I remember reading about the uh, the lead singer who, and this was, I, I found this online where he had had a dream, and I think he tapped into the collective unconscious that that Young had, had alluded to in his writings where he had a dream about, um, I believe, a woman who had experienced the death of a child. And he did not know any women women, or any have any friends that had ever had that experience. But that influenced one of their greatest songs called The Crow and the Butterfly, and which are, as you know, crow and butterflies are very symbolic as far as their spiritual meaning. And I saw the video for that song and it had a very surreal dreamlike quality where you see this woman who was trying to find her son who had, had transitioned. And when I watched that, and being a parent who's had a child transition, watching that, um, that really, you know, made me emotional. Um, but I think even good, good music, good, good uh, lyricists, good groups can, can also, through music, especially that those that are influenced by dreams can really pack an emotional punch. And again, you know, allow us to, to, to feel where we need to feel.
1: Yeah. I think that's, uh, I mean, you gave a beautiful example um, through the music and through your own experience. I think it's true when you use dreams, it's almost a little bit cheating or taking a shortcut because it's already packed with, as you mentioned, collective meaning. You know, deep emotional resonance, uh, powerful imagery, memorable imagery. So, you know, it's there at our disposal to use. And writers, songwriters, musicians, any people in any of the creative fields, also scientific, a lot of scientific breakthroughs have come through dreams, including Google. Um, Larry Page says Google came to him he described it as as like a download in the middle of the night. Just the whole thing, you know, how it was going to work, all of it came to him. So it, we we do well to pay attention to our dreams on and, many levels.
0: Absolutely, and I also like the fact that you talk about the psychology, science, and spirituality of dreams. I'm a firm believer that there's room for all three perspectives to to give us meaning in the world. I think I, my Philosophy has been more integrative as far as where I believe there is room for both psychological and scientific perspectives and spiritual perspectives to integrate very seamlessly to give us greater clarity about the world and give us a greater understanding about our place in the world. So I'm glad that you had mentioned that. And I had a big smile came to my face when I read that in your book. Your philosophy aligns with mine.
1: Absolutely, I don't. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why there are such um, boundary lines between those disciplines, because science is about wonder and isn't that spiritual psychology? Mm-hmm. You know, the word psyche is in psychology. That's mm-hmm. when that word comes from. So we are, we and and spirituality is scientific. I mean, people who meditated for you know these traditions that have been building for centuries and even millennia you know people have been carefully observing the workings of the mind the workings of the heart and and um documenting that so isn't that scientific so i don't understand why there are such lines in between them but i think that the world that we're in now the more that we can connect them uh, the better off we will be
0: I believe that I think we will be building a future generation of some really great creative thinkers if we can validate and urge the, the merging of, of what appear to be different disciplines, but yet have more commonalities than we may believe. Please give the readers about one or two takeaways from your own experiences, your experiences with dreams, or your own life experiences that can help them navigate their own life paths or challenges.
1: Absolutely. So just to give a little bit of an example from my own life and then how you can use that in your own life. Um, when I was a young woman, when I just went uh, went off to college, I went to a therapist because I was for the first time reflecting on my own upbringing and, and difficult things that had happened in my childhood. And I stumbled into the office of a Jungian therapist without knowing anything about uh, how all this works with psychotherapy. I didn't intentionally choose a Jungian, but, uh, you know, she asked me about my life and I said sort of sheepishly, can I tell you a dream? <laughs> and she lit up because of course she's a Jungian and dreams are a stock and trade. But my point is, you know, um, I had been having some very disturbing dreams, nightmares, and she taught me how to work with those, um so that I could start to empower myself, first in the dream world, so even if I couldn't re-enter the dream lucidly, you know, literally be in the dream and direct the action, we would use active imagination, which simply means re-entering the dream when you're awake, getting yourself quiet, or in your journal, um replaying the dream. And going back in there and seeing, well, where could where could I have done something differently in the dream and then let the dream play out that way or interview a dream character and say, okay, I'm going to take this menacing figure and I'm going to converse with them. I'm going to put them in something safe, maybe in a, you know, behind bars or something. So I know I won't be hurt by this menacing character, but we can talk and I can learn what they need to tell me, what they wanted from me. So she taught me these simple techniques and they helped me heal my um, my inner wounding from, from my childhood and helped empower me. I started to think of dreams as my training ground where I could build up courage in the dream world and then I could take that with me on the road, so to speak, into my waking life. So that's something I'd like to pass along to everybody who's listening to this, that your dreams can be a place where you practice, you build a muscle of responding differently. Mm-hmm. You build a muscle of facing the things that fear that you're afraid of, your worst fears. You can face them in your dream, again, by re-entering it through your imagination or through journaling and start to build new neural pathways, new habits of thought that imp- empower you. Even the worst and scariest nightmares, you can do this. So I give several exercises for that in this book, Dreaming on the Page, and my other book, um, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. And I have a book also for parents and children called How to Sleep Tight Through the Night. Um, That gives tips for parents and children working together to help kids start to get empowered from their dreams.
0: And I think it's good that we can start them young to, um, you know, to, to understand that their dreams can be an important framework through their own, their own development, their own growth, their, how they see the world, view the world, how they develop relationships. And, you know, the thing with nightmares and, and I've learned this, you know, through other, through, through another good friend of mine, who's also a, uh, a fabulous certified projective dream, dream work facilitator, um, Carla Blowy, I don't know if you've heard of Carla, but she's she's really she's really fabulous. And one of the things is that you know even bad dreams or nightmares are always in service to us because especially if nightmares can get us in touch with maybe the, our shadow selves or those parts of ourselves that remain hidden um, because you know of society's belief that we have to be happy to to be fulfilled. And Young talked about the shadow element. It's, the the shadow is the person that you don't want to be. And he talked about needing to embrace that. I think our dreams, even our dreams that we see as bad, are in service to us because it can bring us in contact with those shadow parts of ourselves that have remained hidden and that we now need to, to deal with. And as far as fear, what we fear is always going to manifest in some way, shape, or form until we decide to deal with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love what you said that all dreams are serving us. They're coming to help us, coming to heal us. Um, So if you wake up with a nightmare, just be reassured that even this dream, even this dream that woke you up shaking and and scared, there's a healing message in it. It's bringing to the surface something that you've been trying to avoid during the day. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a safe and comfortable way to approach it, Um, It is well worth your time. And at the very least, write it down until you can get yourself to share it with somebody else who can help you start to unravel. Where is the help in this dream? Because I promise you it's there.
0: Agreed. So finally, our last question. And this is an opportunity to promote yourself, promote your services. If people want to contact you or find out more about what you offer, where can they find you? What is the best way to reach you? And all of this, your contact information will be in the program and show notes anyway. But the floor is yours, Zivia.
1: Thank you. Well, the easiest way to find me, of course, is my website, thirdhousemoon.com. It's spelled out T H I R D house moon.com. And also my name, uh, Nobody else is named Sylvia Gover, so I'm easy to find if you can spell that. T-Z-I-V-I-A-G-O-V-E-R. And um, yeah, on my website, there's a contact form, and I'm happy to answer folks' questions. Also, I offer one-on-one dream work for folks, and I offer um, workshops on dreaming on the page approach to writing, where we get together on Zoom and we actually practice some of these things that I've been preaching, and it's a lot of fun.
0: And I can tell you, you're, you're passionate about what you do. You have a lot of fun doing it. And that's, that's half the battle. It, it, well, we're passionate. We love what we're doing. It isn't work. It just becomes a part of who we are. Zivia, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight. I so enjoyed our conversation and I hope we can do it again soon.
1: Well, it is a pure pleasure. I'd be happy to come back anytime. And I wish you and your listeners sweet dreams.
0: Thank you, Zivia. And with that, that is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys Podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.